Welcome to Farmland. Coming up on this evening's show, Pat Smith of the Micro Renewable Energy Federation will outline his views on sustainable farming and Brexit. The ICSA's Eddie Punch talks beef prices and calf to beef production, plus the IFA's Thomas Cooney reacts to the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Climate Action's new report. But first, what kind of savings can solar technology offer farmers? Brefney O'Brien has this report. This week, we visited Brady's Pig Farm in Carrickboy, County Longford, to take a look at how the farm is using renewable energy to its benefit. Dermot explained how the idea to install the solar panels came about. Well, we just decided we were out to put up a new shed and we just decided it was facing the right way and it was a long roof, so we just kind of decided we'd put up the solar panels and just do a little bit for the environment, you know. We'd have a big pull on, on, on power, so we just kind of decided if we could cut our costs a bit and we were told we'd have our, the repayment on in five years, so we just decided we'd, we'd give it a go and see how we do. Dermot noted that the installation process was hassle-free and didn't affect the normal working process on the farm. The company came and measured up and seen where they were going and they came and they had them fitted in about a week. So they were up and running in about a week and a half after the start. Well, it's, it's the full length of a 10-bay shed. We put them in last July and sure it was a great summer last year. We had lots of sun, so there was a, there was a good uh, good result from them last summer, so, uh, or our first year in them. So we just, we're just not that sure yet, but definitely there is a big saving. You need the direct sunlight, Ari, but if it's a bright sort of a day, you would be getting... Uh, getting a, a, a draw off them like I have an app on my phone there and I can keep an eye on it so I, I can see what we're getting off them most days it just tells you exactly what's happening it tells you how much your solar is coming off your solar panels and how much you're drawing off your grid he noted that his system needs no energy storage unit because the power is used on farm instantly we haven't got any batteries because there's such a demand on power here in the piggery so it's just been feeding back into our into our power and then the grid feeds up then whatever whatever the solar panels can't do there was an investment there was a little over a hundred thousand and there was a grant then as well a 30 percent grant so that was a, another reason why we decided we'd do it with the grant there you know and sure it's the way things are going we have to be doing something for the carbon footprint the last summer with the good summer there was a saving so i i think definitely it's the way to go well in the winter definitely if it was a bright day you would see it would be feeding into your, into your system all right there's not much maintenance on them they're a glass panel they're up there they're self-cleaning and there's, there's very little maintenance with them you wouldn't even see them up on the roof, no, definitely not, no. We're joined now by Pat Smith, the Chairman of the Micro Renewable Energy Federation and the CEO of renewable energy company, Local Power Limited. Evening, there. Pat, thanks for coming in to us. Um, Pat, as Dermot Brady outlined there, farmers are trying to do their bit for the environment and renewable energy is really the mindset for them at the moment. Um, but yet on the, the idea of converting solar energy directly into electricity on farms, uh, the figures are very low out there. Less than 1% of our energy production in Ireland is coming from solar compared to much larger percentages on the wind, hydro, biomass side of things. Um, what's your view on why Ireland is in that kind of precarious position with solar at the moment? Because potentially that's something that could help us avoid large EU fines down the road? Claire, without a doubt. Um, I think solar PV um, historically was seen as expensive. However, in the last 10 years, it's dropped by 90% in cost. Uh, solar energy generation is very predictable. The output, as you saw there from Dermot, 
the install that we've done on his farm, um, we predict that it'll generate 95,000 kilowatt hours a year. It will do that and it's fully monitored. It's also low maintenance. We have 5,000, I believe, enough roof space to generate about 5,000 me uh, megawatts of solar of energy every year in Ireland. Um, I think the price reducing, energy costs going up, and the new grants that's been introduced, uh, the Minister for Energy introduced a grant for homes to uh, put solar PV and battery storage in their homes. And uh, we very much welcome the fact that Minister Creed just announced a grant for farmers under TAMS uh, to put solar PV uh, on their farms. And just on that, Pat, although you've welcomed it, uh, that's the 10 million under TAMS uh, for funding for efficient and renewable energy technologies, but you also contend that um, further action is needed there. Um, why is that? Yeah, there's, in my opinion, there's a lot has to be done. Um, the farming community are all different sizes and scales. And as you saw there on Dermot's farm, uh, he got support for a 100 kilowatt system. There's many farms out there that can justify that size of system. What Minister Creed has brought forward is a much less amb uh, ambitious uh, uh, overall limit. But it's a start and we welcome that. I also think that ESB networks and the policymakers need to make grid access free for microgeneration and uh, they need to prioritise grid access for microgeneration. There's policy decisions that can be made that uh, will encourage farmers and particularly uh, um, the agribusiness sector to adopt this technology because they're all very conscious of sustainability. And what type of enterprises are most suitable to the likes of the PV solar? Is it more on the intensive side? I, I think um, solar is very modular. You can size the system so that you consume all of the energy of site or on site. You can divert surplus energy to heat the water. You can divert to battery storage or you can divert to electric to charge electric vehicles. So I think the important thing is that farmers get the proper technical advice so that when they install their system, that they use all of their own energy uh, because that's going to ensure that they get the quickest payback. But I also think within two years, legally, the country will have to allow uh, farmers access to export to the grid. But there's lots of technical issues that have to be overcome. And I think ESB networks in particular have to basically lead the way on that. Because yeah, you did point out that um that the grants could be expanded at the earliest opportunity to facilitate more intensive and higher energy use, particularly on, on dairy farms. Yeah. And um, I'm just interested, Pat, um, on where you see, I suppose, the different sectors and the different enterprises going in the future, maybe over the next five to 10 years, we have a new cap coming. And um, will this type of technology be more suitable to those Maybe are we going to have more intensive farms in the future where this solar might be? Well, I think the structural change that's happening in farming um, is uh, accelerating. Um, the uh, decisions that was made to allow farmers to lease their land in a tax efficient manner um, and for people to take land on a long term basis in a tax efficient manager uh, was very significant in helping farmers scale up. But the one key that I would say to all farmers is sustainability. And sustainability means they must be profitable, they must be efficient, they must be conscious of the environment, uh, they must have a life. So there's lots of issues that I believe that the farming community have to uh, grapple with in the context of sustainability going forward. But a key part of that is renewable energy. And I see real opportunities. In my opinion, solar PV will be on every farm in the country in 10 years' time. Pat, um Moving on to uh, Brexit, you've mentioned before that ultimately you see that, um, well, this was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, you were saying that you thought it would be a soft, ultimately a soft outcome. 
um, on Brexit that the EU, the UK and Ireland would um, it would work in the best interests of, of the three. Um, we're moving very, very quickly to a, a dangerous cliff edge, to a possible no deal scenario. Has your assessment on the situation changed? And do you think um, enough is being done from an Irish standpoint to protect Irish agriculture, particularly the beef sector, which is hugely exposed? Um, look, at I did say that um, the uh, UK would break their necks the nearer they got to the wall of Brexit, because it is a huge jump to have to take. Um, I think we're all aghast at the political shenanigans that's going on over in the UK. Uh, I wish uh, the political system well in trying to come to an acceptable solution. I still believe that my prediction of a year and a half ago uh, is very likely. But as we all know, uh, a day, not alone a week, is a long term in politics. And what about the beef sector then in particular? Do you think that there is enough? So we don't know the details of this potential no deal package uh, that will be there for agriculture. But um, are you confident that uh, that, that the government um, has done enough to protect the sector? I think that um, the beef sector in particular is challenged um, and uh, they need all the help they can get. Um, it's very difficult, though, to show your hand as to exactly what you're going to do uh, in advance of knowing what exactly is going to happen. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. But I do believe that the government is astutely conscious of the potential impact on agriculture. Um, and um, I'm sure uh, behind the scenes, uh, they're uh, working very hard in Europe to make sure that the supports are in place uh, should the worst case scenario happen. Um, Pat, obviously, you were the former CEO of the IFA. Um, do you have any intention of revisiting that time in your life or sharing your story? Um, certainly, Claire. I'd be delighted to talk to you sometime about my uh, time in the IFA and, and about farm politics generally. But look, for obvious reasons, um, I won't be discussing um, what happened in the run-up to my departure in the, the IFA. If you want a uh, uh, comment on that, you'll have to talk to others. Um, um, I believe that the IFA uh, and farmers need a strong united voice and look at I wish the IFA well in the years ahead but uh, happy to come back and talk to you anytime. Pat we'll leave it there thanks very much for coming in to us and now beef prices what's the trade like at the moment here's a report from Niall Claffey. Farmers and finishers marketing beef cattle continue to battle against the odds this week with quotes largely unchanged across the board. In recent times Low base prices are hampering any chance of farmers making a profit. Looking back to the very same week in 2018, €4.10 a kilo was on the table for steers, while heifers were quoted 10 cents higher at €4.20 a kilo. This week, factory buyers are quoting €3.70 a kilo for steers and €3.80 a kilo for heifers, excluding quality assurance bonuses. To put this into context, a 380kg base steer carcass was worth the equivalent of €1,558, excluding bonuses this time last year. The potential returns have now dropped to €1,406. The lower factory quotes have left farmers and winter finishers counting the costs and have also raised serious concerns over the attractiveness of the enterprise. And, to add to this, the uncertainty surrounding Brexit has left farmer confidence very challenged. Moving to the cow trade, most beef cattle buyers are starting negotiations with farmers at €3 a kilo for all grade cows and €2.80 to €2.90 a kilo for all grade types. Looking at cows falling into the P category, these animals are selling at €2.60 to €2.70 a kilo. U-grading cows are hitting the €3.20 a kilo mark. Again, D 
These prices are well back on the prices on offer this time last year. Furthermore, weight penalties are causing some farmers problems when it comes to marketing their bulls. Procurement managers are quoting €3.20 to €3.40 a kilo for O-grade bulls, while R-grades are moving for €3.40 to €3.50 a kilo. In addition, €3.50 to €3.65 a kilo is on the table for U-grade bulls. However, with a drop in the number slaughtered across the board in recent weeks, will there be more pressure on beef processors to pay more for their raw material? We're joined now by Eddie Punch, the General Secretary of the ICSA. Thanks for coming up to us, Eddie. Um, Eddie, at a time where there's so much uncertainty around the, the beef sector, particularly Brexit waiting in the wings, um, some factories have decided to pull down the price of cattle. What is the ICSA and what are you yourself doing to try and reverse the situation? Yeah, look, we've, we've had protests outside meat factories, but the issue at the moment is there's a lot of cattle and factories are taking huge advantage of the, the surplus of cattle that, that, are avail that have been available throughout the winter and the early, the early spring period. I think at this stage, our focus is on live exports. It's got to be more and more live exports. And lucky enough, I think there are signs now that Turkey is re-emerging as a potential uh, destination for cattle. We also know there are some cattle going out to Libya this week as well. And we can't have enough live exports because it's quite clear that the meat industry is unable to deliver a reasonable price to farmers for the amount of stock we have. And we see a number of things here. We think that the Sherberg uh, blockage needs to be sorted and fast. And I think the dairy industry has a responsibility here to, for a very small amount of money, put in place, fund the extra layerage facilities that are required in Sherberg. We need to get as many of the dairy calves out of this country as possible, even the dairy beef cross calves, because these calves are not returning a viable price to farmers uh, who, who are putting them through calf to beef systems here. And worse still is the fact that all of these extra dairy calves are dragging down the price of beef for everybody. Uh, we have too many calves and the beef industry has demonstrated time and time again that it will be absolutely ruthless in cutting price to farmers for every excuse possible. And obviously with Brexit now, it's it's a really difficult time for farmers. Eddie, you mentioned there about the, the dairy industry taking responsibility uh, for the funding of new larages out mm. at Sherbrook. How could that work? How would that possibly work? Simple. What about live exporters? Should they also um, well, feed well, into that? Well, you see, the fact is we've had massive focus on dairy expansion. And look, that's a fine thing for people who are involved in dairying, but it is unrealistic and unfair that the costs of dairy expansion are being visited on the beef farming sector. So all of these extra calves are contributing to the glut of cattle. And we can't see any way in which farmers can make a realistic profit out of feeding some of the, the particularly the Jersey cross and Kiwi cross calves. Well, some of those are not suitable for any markets, but the focus on dairying has not been to provide a calf that's suitable for a profitable calf to beef system. So in our view, uh, the government, you know, ideally should fund the Sherberg Lairage, but they're not going to do it, it seems, because there are issues about spending money in another member state. There is nothing to stop the dairy industry paying, you know, and this is tiny money, Claire, to pay for extra layerage facilities in Cherbourg. They've got to accept 
that they're making a lot of profit out of all these extra cows that are being milked, but the extra calves are undermining the profit profitability of beef farming system. Eddie, we're almost out of time, but we had the minister on the show last week and we uh, discussed the uh, possibility of a review of the beef grid. Um, as you mentioned, now he said the department will be willing to facilitate a review if it's what the industry and farmers want. Is that something you'd take him up on? We would, yeah, because the grid is, is penalising farmers with poor cattle. But Farmers with good quality cattle are being squeezed because they're too heavy, they're too this, they're too that. Nobody is getting the benefit. It's not cost neutral anymore. And we think it's also far too complex. Uh, and we'd like to see a simplified grid that delivers real margins to quality cattle. Eddie, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks for joining us. And next, what lies ahead for agriculture after the Oireachtas Committee published its Climate Action Report? Here's Sylvester Fiedan. The Joint Oireachtas Committee's newly published Climate Action Report includes a lengthy section on Irish agriculture. Ireland is already on course to miss its 2020 targets, with the country coming under increased international pressure to meet its 2030 emissions objectives. The committee decided against imposing a carbon tax on greenhouse gas emissions from agriculture as had been recommended by the Citizens' Assembly for the moment. The Oireachtas Group did, however, call for the implementation of Chagask's mitigation pathways which consist of a. agricultural mitigation through improved breeding, changing fertiliser types and slurry spreading b. land use and carbon sequestration through increased broadleaf forestry and improved pasture management and c. energy efficiency and fossil fuel displacement through biofuel and anaerobic digestion. The committee called on the Department of Agriculture, as well as Chogask and the Environmental Protection Agency, to undertake a review of nitrogen fertiliser management and imports in 2019. The report highlights that the agri-industry can become a net producer of electricity such as solar power. A review of electricity market rules has been called for to enable micro-generated electricity to be sold to the grid. Anaerobic digestion is also highlighted, with calls made on the government to commission a feasibility assessment for the development of biogas. The committee recommends the establishment of biogas cooperatives, along with the facilitation of installations with low interest loans or grants. A national review of land use to optimise planning and help tackle carbon emissions is recommended too. It is aided by CAP and national funding. On the forestry front, the committee seeks stronger incentives for farmers and landowners to plant broadleaf species instead of conifers. Finally, the Oireachtas body also proposes the re-wetting of peatland and bogs, seeking the rollout of bog rehabilitation on all designated bogs. While farm organisations have broadly welcomed the outworkings of the report, the full picture on how agriculture will be decarbonised remains open for further debate. Thomas Cooney, the chairman of the IFA's Environment and Rural Affairs Committee, joins us now. Thomas, thanks for coming in to us. Thanks, Claire. Uh, Thomas, last week, the Oireachtas Committee on Climate Action uh, produced their recommendations for Ireland on tackling uh, climate change and with a specific section on agriculture. And although I suppose in the report, they said that this time around, they wouldn't be looking at a carbon tax on agriculture. Uh, but in the long term, Thomas, is that something that farmers need to be seriously concerned about or considering? 
I don't think so because I don't think it would contribute anything to reducing overall global emissions because we're one of the most sustainable places in, in the world to produce beef and dairy. Our dairy farmers are the most carbon efficient in, in Europe. Our beef farmers are the, in the top five. There's very little difference between between one and five. Um, I think common sense prevailed at the at the Oireachtas Committee last week where they, they took on board the, the recommendations of the Chagas Roadmap for, for Climate Roadmap and there's 28 measures in that and, and they see that as, as the way to go forward because putting a carbon tax and, and reducing production in Ireland would only encourage production in less carbon efficient countries such as South America and, and Brazil and Argentina and places like that and, and would contribute to overall global emissions and I think the, the approach that the talk adopting recommending the adaptation of, of the Chagas climate roadmap is a more sensible approach because we are a sector with a plan and, and it is a it has the potential to put money into farmers pockets and to reduce emissions at the same time. And Thomas just on the Chagas mitigation plan uh, with the 28 measures to, to reduce um, or to enhance agricultural mitigation. So you're looking at um, improved breeding strategies, change of fertilizer types, slurry spread and land use uh, for carbon sequestration, um, improved pasture management. Um, how far along are farmers on those types of practices at the moment? And what about funding for pushing through on that roadmap? Yeah, there is there is a number of those measures being done through the KT programme, through the GLOSS programme, 50,000 farmers in the GLOSS, in the GLOSS scheme at the moment. We have, um, we have our own IFA Smart Farming Initiative, which is aimed at reducing costs, reducing emissions. Do you know, there's a direct link between the two and, and efficiency at farm level, increasing profitability, driving down emissions. But going forward, we, we need a well-funded cap and we have the cap reform coming up and there is there is talk of a 5% cut, which would equate to 100 million. We need a well-funded rural development um, scheme going forward because we need a, we need a, a like a reps type scheme, you know, where there's ten thousand per farm, and that's what that's what IFA policy is, and that won't come if we have if we have an overall cut in the cap budget. Government contribution does need to be increased as well, and it makes sense. It makes sense for government and the EU to spend the money on this, you know, and get the investment in farm, drive down emissions, and not be paying not for Ireland to be paying fines. It's better to put the money into into farmers' pockets. And, and encourage the, the all the other renewables incentives like solar and AD and yeah and just on that Thomas uh, you know energy efficiency is highlighted uh, particularly in the report and uh, about the move away from fossil fuels towards more biofuels or anaerobic digestion as you mentioned there um, but yet you know there have been delays with the opening of the support scheme for renewable heat uh, the grant was announced last year uh, the second phase was meant to be announced earlier this year now um, the department of um, climate action is pushing it back maybe till the, the middle of the year. Um, so how serious is the government about bringing in anaerobic digestion as a possible solution to climate mitigation on the agricultural side? Well, the fact that it, the fact that it's recommended in this report, Iraqis report, is is good. Minister Bruton will be giving, doing up a whole of government report in in the next month or so, and it's going to be on the taken from the recommendations of the Iraqis report. We had him in at our AGM. We put all those issues to him for the need to develop 
farm scale and community-based renewables, AD will probably be community-based. We need farm scale, solar, you know, all that sort of stuff. There is efficiencies can be done at farm level. There is some grants there, but they need to be increased as well. And we need to get uptake on that because again, the government will be better spending the money on that than it going off to Europe and fines. And that's and that's what is going to happen like post 2020 if we don't hit our targets and if we're seen to be spending the money and, and investing in in farm businesses that's that's the only way that it can be done we are the only sector that has a plan there's no other we have emissions spiraling out of control and transport there's no plan there aviation we, as well a, as we saw this a, aviation as well we are we are a sector with a plan and and but we need investment we need government investment it will help to sustain farmers on the farms as well you know if they can make money from from solar or ad it, it will help sustain their, their farm businesses as well as, as thomas as well this week uh, the government announced a fund of three million to be made available for the purchase and operation of drones to survey illegal dumping and um, you've raised some concerns on the prosecution side yeah so and, how and could this fund be best used to target the culprits. The fund is welcomed and, and we had been calling, we had a big campaign there post-Christmas and we mentioned it to the Minister as well, to Minister Bruton, when we had him in at our AGM. It, it was another thing, that was, we have follow-up meetings with the department on that as well. Um, but we need, we need prosecutions, we need people to be made an example. We're getting calls from all over Ireland where farmers are having loads, literally trailer loads of rubbish dumped in their fields. There needs to be people made an example of and, and a hefty fine put on them and made an example of as to use them as as a deterrent the drones will help to catch them and, and the other enforcement measures and hopefully there will be more boots on the ground as well and is all welcome but we need prosecutions and need people to be made an example and we've we we want the government to publish a list of of what prosecutions that they have do you know that's what we haven't got that yet of them and uh thomas the, there also is a public consultation on the nitrates derogation um at the moment uh, that that's underway um, how concerned should farmers be about that and how important is it for them to take an active stance and to voice their opinions yeah, well, I, th I think farmers have taken a fairly active stance. They have spent over two billion in the last ten years upgrading their farms. Let it be slurry storage, um, nutrient management planning. You know, we, we have seven thousand farms in the derogation. It's important that the derogation is is protected going forward, and and we will be doing everything to ensure that we do get the derogation renewed again. This is only a review of the derogation. There will be a full nitrates review in, in 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 two years' time, where we hope to get the derogation renewed for a, for a fourth or four years, and. and and that's and so hopefully um, farmers won't be penalised for, for, for they're doing the right thing. Okay, and finally, Thomas, um, we're, we're out of time, but I still have to ask you, you're, you have recently put your name forward for the deputy presidency of the IFA. Now we are a number of months out from the, from the election, um, but why did you put your hat in the ring and what are the priorities and changes that you intend to campaign on? Um, I put my name forward because I felt I've, I've enjoyed delivering over the last couple of years. Do you know, like we, we did get 700,000 off the Department of the Environment there for waste tire management. We got the derogation renewed. Um, we had the, the likes of the litter campaign, the, the delivery on the, the Oireachtas climate report where the Citizens Assembly recommendations were. But that's, I feel that's not enough. I feel I want to deliver more for the organisation. I want to be part of an organisation. I want to put pride back into the jersey, to the IFA jersey again. I want to be part of an organisation that, that campaigns on the streets that organises tractor kids that stands outside of the factory gates and delivers for farmers and delivers a sustainable income for farmers going forward. 
That's Thomas, tough. I'm sure we'll have you back in on the campaign trail um, over the coming months. So thanks for joining us. And that's it for this week's show. If you have a story, get in touch with us on any of our platforms. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week. Thank you.